Welcome to Scanner School, session number 19. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and today we're going to talk about severe weather radios and severe weather monitoring. Coming up right now on the Scanner School podcast. Welcome to the Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome to Scanner School, where we teach you everything that you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. My name is Phil Lichtenberger. My amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. Now, on today's podcast, we're going to talk about weather alert monitoring. And this is a one of those subjects that can tie in very nicely to scanning, but also stands alone when it comes to um, the nature of weather alert monitoring. See, I think that this is something that should be a staple in everybody's home. I think everybody should have a weather alert radio in their house. It's a life-saving tool. It is something that can give you a couple of extra minutes to seek shelter, to get to safety, and maybe to survive a severe weather storm. And I was talking like tornadoes or flash flooding or stuff like that. So before we go into exactly um, the hardware where it comes to a weather alert radio, we're going to spend some time and talk about it from a scanning point of view because, after all, this is a scanner radio podcast. After we go through how to monitor this with your scanner and the ins and outs of the scanner, we'll talk about some specific hardware where you can listen to or monitor or leave the radio in standby mode, in alert mode, so that it's always there, it's always ready, it's in standby mode, it's like your smoke detector, your CO2 detector, your gas detector. Um, you know, it's going to alert you when there's trouble. So let's take one step back and let's look at this from a scanning point of view. So in the United States, we have... NOAA, which is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. It's a division of the U.S. Department of Commerce. Now, NOAA monitors weather, climate, and changes to the environment. NOAA is really a global satellite network. They have spotters on the ground. Um, there's transmitters. And if, for those of you who are you know, mariners and, or go out on a boat, I'm sure many of you have pressed that weather button on your VHF marine radio and have listened to a broadcast or two from the National Weather Service just to find out how the boating conditions are going to be, how the weather is, what type of storms are coming, right? Um, if you've ever watched the TV show, The Deadliest Catch, you know, right before they show a horrible weather scene, they always lead into it with some audio from the National Weather Service, right? That's kind of gearing you up to, okay, something's not going to go well for these fishermen, right? So that's, you know, really to dramatize the National Weather Service and what they do. But, I mean, it is something to take seriously. So in North America, we have NOAA in the United States. In Canada, you have Weather Radio Canada, um, there's the Caribbean has Bermuda radio and also in, um, in Mexico, there's SARMEX. Now, again, I speak very little Spanish enough for me to ask you basically where the bathroom is and, uh, you know, say thank you and please, and, and you're welcome. But, uh, so I'm not going to go to exactly what SARMEX stands for, but basically it's the Mexican hazard warning system. So why am I talking about 
Mexico and the Caribbean and Canada and the United States? Well, because they all operate basically on same codes or FIPS codes. Uh, I believe the new term or the, or the updated term for it is really same codes. And what the same codes is, it's a string of digits and you would program that into your scanner or your radio. And that is a county identification or a geographical identification about where you want the radio to trigger when there's an alert that goes over. Now you can set this up for land-based or there's also um, there's also marine forecast too that you can have this set up. So, so if you're a, you know, if you're interested in going out in the boat and you want to know when there's, you know, a a, a gale force wind or, or something like that, then then or advisory like that, then that kind of stuff would probably trip out the um, the radio as well. So, from a scanning point of view, let's talk about weather alert monitoring. So we have in the states and in North America we have a handful of VHF frequencies that we can use that range from 162.4 to 162.55. And I believe Bermuda uh, has two frequencies and Canada has a um, has a couple. I don't know if they're the exact same. Uh, but uh, like I was saying, they share the, uh, the ability to alert with the same codes. Now over in Europe, I understand that there's a service that's out of Germany that's on shortwave and longwave. And I haven't heard of anything else that operates the exact same way uh, in other countries. So if you have something, say, in Australia or Europe or wherever you're from, that operates a radio system the exact same way as NOAA does here in the States, I really love to learn about it. So drop me a line or leave a comment on the website for this session at scannerschool.com slash session 19. Now, this is also a good time to remind you that the show notes and all the links I'm talking about, because there's going to be some resources that I'm not going to give you the links in the podcast because the links are just too long. So we're going to have links to them on the website in the show notes. So if you go to scannerschool.com slash session 19, we will take you to um, all the links that, that you need that I'm talking about here on this podcast. So again, from a scanning point of view, so you can go into your scanner, you can press the WX button, you can monitor the National Weather Service from there. Uh, usually by pressing WX, we're going to the menu system and going into weather uh, weather monitoring mode. I, I forget the exact term when it comes to unit and scanner. But there's also other methods of listening to weather alerts or, or weather activity in your area. So in the United States too, we have a program called Skywarn, right? And Skywarn is basically a program developed by the National Weather Service in the 1960s that would train individuals, volunteers, to become spotters. And the spotters are certified after attending a class, and they get a, a unique spotter identification. And it allows these spotters to give detailed information about what's going on in their own backyards. And the reason why this is important is because spotters will help fill in the blanks in the radar system, right? The radars are good. They're not perfect. So there's still the ability to tune the model or gain more notice when it comes to severe weather. So like a lot of times you would find, um, you know, the tornado chasers, if you watched any of those uh, shows that used to be on TV, where they would call in the tornado before the National Weather Service actually alerted for it. And it's because, again, that the radars are good, but they're not perfect. So where can you listen to a Skywarn or Skywarn activity? 
the chances are very good that in your area, there is a Skywarn amateur radio net when severe weather occurs. The best way to find out is to Google or use your favorite search engine and go Skywarn followed by your area. So I would do like Skywarn, Nassau County, New York. And it would bring me up to my local Skywarn volunteer page. Now, again, these are typically held on either VHF or UHF ham radio frequencies. And what ends up happening is there'll be a net control station. We'll call a net together. And the weather monitors out in the area, the Skywarn operators will call in with their updates. So it may be something as simple as snow totals when there's a blizzard, right? When you get to X number of inches per hour or when you have a certain criteria that the National Weather Service is looking for, then the spotter will call into net control. They'll give the information and then that information will then be passed on to the NWS. So instead of a whole bunch of people calling up the National Weather Service with updates and flooding the system, it's funneled in via amateur radio to a central central person who then passes that information to the National Weather Service. Uh, you may find, you know, with severe weather, when there's down trees or um, flooding going on, or if, again, you know, somebody spots a tornado, that kind of stuff, hail, anything that is a emergency criteria or severe weather criteria, uh, and again, that might change based on the area that you live in, that is reported to the National Weather Service. So again, from a scanning point of view, I would suggest scanning the VHF and UHF amateur radio band to find out if you can locate a, a Skywarn spotter net during uh, a severe weather uh, period in, in, your, uh, in your area. Now, again, you can Google it and find out and have those frequencies available in advance. Another thing you may want to check out is GMRS. Now, sometimes you may get groups like React or a local group that also collect information from train spotters outside of a amateur radio environment. Now, those are usually just as structured as a ham radio net. It's just for people who aren't into the ham hobby, but have paid for their their, um, their license to have a GMRS license, that they're also able to do the exact same thing. I've also seen from TV shows, now I've never seen firsthand, but it looks like a lot of spotters who actually go out and storm chase are using a combination of GMRS and ham radio, and may also be using FRS radios as well. So if you live in an area that has, you know, that is seeing severe weather, specifically tornadic activities, then maybe, yes, you'll be able to catch some boots on the ground weather observations as well from the spotter community. Okay, so let's switch gears a bit and talk more about weather alert radios and why they're important. So again, I feel that this is something that every home should have. It's important. It can give you, again, a, it's a life-saving tool. It can give you that couple extra minutes to seek shelter, to alert family members, um, to know what's going on. Sometimes as it's, you know, as it's barreling down on you, uh, again, which is why the Skywarn Spotter Network is so great and why having those frequencies in your scanner ahead of time may also give you a jump as to what's going on. But again, you can't be awake all the time, which is why, again, a weather alert radio is important because if you're sleeping and there's severe weather outside and it hasn't woken you up yet, right, um, the alerts that come across the weather alert radio, because what ends up happening is those same codes that you programmed in ahead of time, they are um, they are the set of sequence codes that will that the radio is listening for. So when the National Weather Service transmits that sequence, 
it will alert the radio. The radio will beep. It will probably flash. You might be able to plug it into a strobe light or a louder siren. And hopefully it will wake you up. You'll be able to hear the alert and seek safety. So that's what I'm saying. This is something that every home should have. It's as important as a fire extinguisher, a smoke detector, a CO2 detector, a gas detector, whatever it is that you hold, um, you know, for safety in your family. So I basically put together five simple steps on how to get a weather alert radio and how to set one up. Okay. And again, you can grab those in our show notes at scannerschool.com slash session 19. Or I got another link set up for you at scannerschool.com slash WX alert. And again, it's a shorthand for weather, which is WX alert. So the five steps that I would suggest when it comes to setting up a, a NOAA weather radio is step one is to purchase a weather alert radio. I mean, that's the first step, right? You got to have the equipment. If you don't want to purchase a NOAA weather radio, you can still use your scanner and the following steps all apply. If you want to use your scanner in weather alert standby mode. Again, I have a list of radios that I would suggest and we'll go through a couple of them at the end of this at scannerschool.com slash WX alert or scannerschool.com slash session 19. So step number two, and this is an important step, just as important as to have the hardware is to make sure the hardware is going to work. So visit the NOAA weather radio website for your area. And again, we will link to that in the show notes. Make sure there are no issues with your local NOAA transmitter. Where I'm from, the New York City transmitter is down, which means we don't have a local transmitter. We have some that are outside. I'm barely on the fringes of all of those. But from the New York City one, I had great coverage. So it's always good to know that there's something not you may not get the information over the air the way you expect to. So check the NOAA weather radio website to make sure that your local transmitter is operational. Once you know that your local transmitter is operational and everything is fine, then go on to step three, which is locate an area of the house where you are going to hear the radio. It's going to be accessible and it's got good coverage of your home transmitter. So plug it in the wall, mount it to the wall, put it on a shelf, put it on your desk, put it next to your bed, turn it on and make sure that it picks up a weather alert signal, or I'm sorry, make sure it picks up your local NOAA radio broadcast. If it doesn't, move it to another location of the house, or you may need an external antenna. Now remember, I said my local transmitter is down, but when I hook up to an external antenna, I can hear multiple NOAA weather transmitters. I can hear Eastern Long Island. I can hear a couple in Connecticut. I can hear into uh, Jersey. And when conditions are right, I can hear them coming out of Pennsylvania. That's something also to think about. You may need to tie this into your existing scanning uh, antenna network, so to speak. So step number four is enter the same codes for your area into the weather alert radio. That's usually a pretty simple step that you can do by following the instruction manual that came with your radio. Now, again, you can set it up for your local land geographical area, or they also have weather alerts for you know, the, the waters. So you may get uh, tidal advisories, or you may get uh, gale force winds, or that kind of stuff. Okay. Step number five is the easiest step out of all of them. Just wait for the Wednesday weather alert radio weekly test, and make sure that your radio activates for the test. If you come home and you see that it's tested, 
you know, normally the, the display will tell you what the previous alert was. Then you know that the weather alert radio is ready to go and, you know, just let it do its thing. Hopefully, you may never hear it go off, but it's there if you need it, just like your smoke detector. What is it that I look for when it comes to shopping for a weather alert radio? I like a weather alert radio that not only plugs into a wall and runs on commercial power, but also operates on batteries, right? It's a severe weather radio. What happens sometimes when severe weather hits? You lose power. You want a radio that's going to work standalone, off the grid. So the Cato KA500 is one that I like, and I have a link to this radio in the show notes at scannerschool.com slash session 19 and it will be an affiliate link so what that means is that if you use our link to buy the radio scanner school will earn a very very small affiliate fee or referral fee for you purchasing the radio now again the radio is only 50 bucks at this time while i'm recording it and i feel for 50 bucks it's a really valuable radio because not only does it work off of commercial power or battery power but it also has a solar cell pop-out on top, so you can put it in a window and charge it. It also has a hand crank on it, so you can leave it in a box and don't even have to have batteries in it and worry about the batteries exploding. You know, sometimes you leave things standing too long with, with a set of batteries in it. When you go to use it, the batteries have just leaked all over the inside of the, of the radio. So it also has a hand crank. It is analog. It's pretty retro cool. It has a... Um, you know, the old dial and needle on the front of it. It doesn't have a digital display. It does FM. It does AM. It also does shortwave as well on a couple of bands, which is really, really, really cool. All right. It also has a flashlight on it and a USB charger so that you can charge your smartphone because we all know in a state of panic, we're all going to go to our smartphones and find out what's going on. So it's nice to know that this weather alert radio has a hand crank and then will charge your smartphone as well. I like it because it comes in multiple colors. It comes in black, blue, green, red, or yellow. The yellow is sharp because it stands out. You can put it in a box with all of your other safety gear, in your bug out bag, whatever it is that you want to put with it. But the yellow one pops. It stands out, and you'll know just by grabbing it, you know, by, by seeing it right away, you can grab for it right away. Besides this unit, which is too big to mount on a wall, it doesn't really fit that form factor. There's a couple other ones that I would recommend or even recommend staying away from. One that I like is the Midland WR120. Now, again, this is a weather alert radio. It's a clock radio alarm, but it is mountable. You can put it on a wall. And at the time of this recording, it's only 30 bucks US on Amazon. So again, we will have an affiliate link for this radio in uh, the show notes at scannerschool.com slash session 19. Once upon a time, I owned a Midland WR300 weather alert radio. It was a great radio. It's a beautiful clock radio. It's about 50 bucks, but it didn't last me more than two years. So for that reason, I'm not recommending it because it's 50 bucks and I didn't have any luck with the radio. I mean, it worked great when it worked, but one day it just stopped receiving the weather alert band. And that's what you buy it for. It's a weather alert radio, and it stopped receiving NOAA radio. So, you know, maybe other people have better luck with it than I did, but 
I don't, I can't recommend the WR300. And there's other radios out there. There's there's other hand crank radios out there that, that are about the $50 range. Um, there's some in the $30 range, and there's, there's really a, a cheap one out there. It's a uh, um, a $19 one. Again, it's self cranked, uh, solar panel, the whole deal, $18.99, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So there's one final tidbit that I really like about this radio is that it eliminates one of the steps that I outlined, one of the five steps. You don't actually program in the same codes into this radio. So what ends up happening is that this radio just listens for that 10 second tone and that's the trigger. So the issue with that really is it's good because it makes it very easy for you to program radio there's nothing to program it, it just goes into weather alert mode when you turn it to the correct weather channel um the, the drawback though is that any alert that's within the coverage area of or the coverage footprint of that transmitter that's going to be the trigger on your radio so like for example where i'm from if uh, the local transmitter were to be on the air in new york city it covers new jersey connecticut and long island and new york city if there's a weather alert in New Jersey, the same codes are going to go out for New Jersey, but my weather alert radio, if it was set up for same, won't go off. But when the alert tones go out for Jersey and then the 10 second, 10, 50 hertz tone goes out, well, guess what? Any radio in that coverage footprint is also going to alert. So then your radio is really going to alert you for stuff that's just outside of your geographical area. So if a storm is moving across and or parallel to where you live, then, okay, your radio is going to alert you and you're going to, you know, have a little bit of a nuisance on that point. But if storms, say, move towards your direction, well, think of it this way. You're now getting that much further notice that a severe thunderstorm could be rolling in your area. So instead of maybe getting a 15-minute notice because it's just entering your county or it's a county away, you're going to get that notice even further if the counties that are an hour away from you are now just starting to alert. So it's one of those give-and-take solutions. But again, I feel like this radio is a good solution. And again, we will have links to it in the show notes at scannerschool.com slash session19. So I want to thank you for listening to session 19 of the Scanner School podcast. So hopefully that I've driven it home how important I feel it is to have at least one radio in the house that acts as a NOAA weather alert um, or standby radio, whether it's your scanner or if it's a dedicated um, radio that is made to be a weather alert radio or Coming up, we have a session with fire pages, and I can even tell you how to set up your pager to be a weather alert radio and to alert. So if you're looking for something that's a bit more you know, radio-specific or um, something that's a little bit more portable, you know, you can use a, a fire pager, off-the-shelf pager, and uh, set those up as well. So it's something you could take with the car with you. And, and that's something we'll talk about on a future session of the Scanner School podcast because it's a little bit more involved and not everybody has the tools or the equipment to do so. But again, you can always take a portable radio out with you and put it in weather alert standby and take that to you to the office or in the car if it's legal to do so um, or, or something like that as well. So again, I want to thank you for listening to the Scanner School podcast where we teach you everything that you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. I want to remind you again that we do have our Facebook live sessions that occur pretty much every 
um, every weekend. I think I'm changing the date on that one. So keep your eyes on our mailing list at scannerschool.com slash mailing list uh, or just go right to the scannerschool.com website and there's a, there's a form to, to sign up for the mailing list right there. We're on Facebook at scannerschool.com slash Facebook. Our Facebook community is at facebook.com or I'm sorry, scannerschool.com slash Facebook group and also Twitter. I am loving Twitter, scannerschool.com slash Twitter. You will find me there pretty much every day of the week on, on Twitter. So if you want to get a hold of me, that's a great way to do so. So again, I want to thank you for being there and uh, being a member of the Scanner School community. We will talk to you guys next week. And again, too, before I go, if you don't want to wait till Tuesday to get the next release of the Scanner School podcast, go to scannerschool.com slash support. Become a Patreon supporter and you will get the podcast at least one day early. All right. So thanks again for being there. I want to say 73, which means best regards. And we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Scanner School podcast. Be sure to visit www.scannerschool.com to access the show notes and bonus content.